Hello, my name is John O'Connell, and welcome to AMX Fika Leadership Podcast. So over these podcasts, I'll be speaking to some inspirational and innovative data and analytic contributors from across industry and the health and care sectors. I'll be asking each of them to share with us some of the exciting work they have underway, which is helping to shape the health and care analytics space, as well as asking some of them their motivational insights into their career paths to date. So why FICA? FICA is a social phenomenon in Sweden, I thought I'd borrow. It's a legitimate reason to set aside some really quality time to catch up with friends, family and colleagues over a coffee and a cake. So joining myself and Toby today is Suki Palasir, Deputy Director of Strategy and Development uh, for the Combined Data Analytics team across NHS England and NHS Improvement. Uh, Suki is a trained doctor in both emergency medicine uh, public health, and is also also skilled in management consultancy, health policy, and academia. And at EY and Accenture, Suki focused on the national program for designing new care models. Suki has also been chief uh, clinical safety officer for deploying the national solutions such as NHS Mail. And in Suki's current role, he leads digital transformation and strategy development across 270 individuals which are aggregated together from NHS England and improvement into one of the largest data analytics and intelligence services in the UK, and whose purpose is basically to help integrated care systems deliver their population health management initiatives. So, welcome, Suki. We are really delighted to have you on AMX Fika podcast. Uh, John, Toby, thank you very much for that. Uh, It's really good to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Fantastic. So on with the most important question, which we always say to our, uh, our guest. Um, I'm drinking out of an analyst X mug. Um, hopefully after today, you'll be able to do the same. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what's your preference, tea or coffee? And what's your favorite cake, Suki? Ah, so for me, it's a flat white. Um, and I think when it comes to cake, any cake is good. But but uh, my, my favorite is a slice of Battenberg cake. Good choice. Good choice. So Welcome again, Suki, and um, thank you for joining us. So John sort of alluded or mentioned it, um, uh, but I I guess you've had a very, very, very career as a doctor in emergency medicine, working in public health, management consulting, and academia, then pivoting back into the NHS. Um, So you currently lead the data analysis and intelligence service. for our listeners, would you mind talking us through the garden path journey we've taken to sort of arrive at this place and how you've managed to be sort of sat between the three of us virtually being interviewed? Well, again, again, Toby, thank you for that. I, I'm glad you refer to it as a garden path. Friends who know me well have often described it as a path that goes beyond the garden to the fields and further beyond. Um, and I suppose on that note, uh, I have probably had a very unusual path. Uh, getting to where I am today. And I think it's always easier to join the dots in retrospect. Uh, Would I say that I have planned my career out exactly? Uh, No, I haven't, but but I've had certain guiding principles that that, that have always led me to where I am, which in part boil down to, um, am I working for a great boss? Uh, and, And do I engage with the content where I feel I can really make an impact uh, in, in the NHS, uh, either directly to the patients or, or indirectly with some of the system level decisions that I make. Uh, 
So I think I, I, I started my career, you know, as, as a typical bright, bushy-eyed junior doctor working in a mixture of major teaching hospitals uh, and some district general hospitals as well. And as I immersed myself, you know, in the front sharp end of clinical medicine, I often wondered how commissioning decisions uh, were being made. I never quite understood uh, how money flew down to hospitals, how we actually came up with uh, service design uh, and, and new care models. So, so there were skills that I felt that I was lacking as a junior doctor. And generally, the business of healthcare, as I refer to it, is one that was during my time and is still very poorly taught in medical school. Uh, so, so we are very good as clinicians learning about the anatomy physiology of the patient, but we have very little training in uh, how does a commissioner work, how do you make system level decisions, uh, and, and how do you ensure that you get the best value for the patient. So I was really looking for a way to get involved in learning about uh, understanding population health and how you work at a system or macro level. And I think one of the tr troubles I found very early on during my medical training was I, I knocked on very many doors wanting to learn this. And I discovered very quickly that both medical training and indeed working in the NHS, um, th these two constructs are very hierarchical in nature. And as a clinician, I was always told until you have finished your clinical training, you must not be distracted by wanting to do non-clinical stuff. Um, and, and 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 I think most people will know I'm I'm not one to generally take no for an answer, and I thought that was rather an antiquated or incongruent way of thinking generally about one's personal development. Um, and if we look at the way the world is moving in the startup and entrepreneurial world, you'd never really say to a, a, a CEO, well, you haven't jumped all the twenty or thirty years of a traditional career, so you can't be a CEO. So um, I think for me, it was finding what was the creative solution on how I would acquire the new skills that I was seeking. And I think that was the time the management bug bit me. And I came across the National Chief Medical Officers Clinical Advisor Program. Uh, that was the older version of the Faculty of Leadership and Management uh, Fellowship Program. And I found of myself on a roller coaster ride that lasted six years. So I did all sorts of things such as uh, leading on the uh, rollout of the safer surgery checklist uh, in England and Wales, writing patient safety policy, and even finding some time to complete my professional doctoral thesis on the epidemiology of medical errors in trauma and orthopedics. Uh, and I think as that carried on, I was still very keen to keep up with clinical practice. So I carried on with my training in emergency medicine and public health. And I think you can see from the story so far, I, I found to have acquired, I found myself having acquired an appetite uh, for for more of a portfolio nature in the way I worked. Um, and I think for me, the next thing after acquiring some management skills, learning about policy, was how do I start manifesting more the analyst that resides within me. So I know that little voice had always been there that you're an analyst at heart. Uh, but 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 I was quite keen to actually find roles that would help support that. So the way I did that very unusually uh, was actually apply to uh, various management consultancy firms. Uh, and I applied to Ernst & Young, where I was very lucky uh, to, 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 be, to be allowed to work on the new care models program nationally. 
where we're really able to unleash the power of data and analytics to inform the design of some of these new care models. Uh, and I subsequently moved to Accenture, uh, leading on their uh, digital transformation piece for the NHS. Um, and I found more and more uh, as the years went by, I ticked my clinical boxes, I ticked the policy bits, uh, I ticked the consultancy ones. And I think where, where I finally ended up, which is today's role, uh, is um, working for the chief data and analytics officer. So my current role is very much of uh, a, a mishmash of things. Um, and, and that's not a, said in a derogatory fashion to myself, but it's uh, more actually saying there, there are functions that my role fulfills that are not traditionally fulfilled by the existing teams. And I think I have four, four, four distinct elements within that role. So the first one actually is I, I play a chief of staff role, ensuring robust delivery of our products, services, sorting out all the back office stuff that the data and analytics teams need, such as HR, comms, commercial and finance. Um, the second one is I, together with the team, I develop population health assets that assist integrated care systems uh, through the use of segmentation and advanced analytics. And this includes our joint ventures we have with the Health Foundation as part of the Improvement Analytics Unit. And then I have some pure strategy work I do, which is very much thinking about our target operating model and how do you get 550 plus people uh, all singing to the same uh, song and dancing to the same beat and, you know, really delivering value as a collective. And then the last bit of my business is, is more of a partnership with one of the co-founders, Pollyanna Jones, which is the Future NHS team, which is our largest online collaboration platform. So I think the, the key points I'd like to make in this uh, garden path is the, the, the garden can be beautiful. You just have to find those flowers um, and, and, and by and large, as long as you have conviction and courage in what you're doing, uh, I think by the time you come out of the garden path, you look at it and say that was a very pleasant experience with lots of learning. Thank you for that very in-depth explanation. I think it's been, it's, yeah, it's insightful. I think your take on your approach to your professional life is different. And I think people gain a lot of value from that. Sufi, that's really great and great to hear as well that you're an analyst at heart and, and just following on from that kind of theme of having analytics uh, in your heart and such, we see there's been a, an ambitious data strategy that's just been released, you know, uh, data saves lives, reshaping social care uh, uh, with data. It's been published. For our listeners, are you able to sort of share with us what you see as some of the key messages that have come out of that and, you know, looking forward, how do we harness the potential of data in healthcare? while also maintaining really high standards of privacy and ethics. What mm -hmm. should we be thinking about? So, so John, the data strategy is a much uh, anticipated and timely uh, piece of work. Um, it's taken a while to get out there, uh, and I'm glad it's still in draft form uh, because we, we, we definitely do need to consult more broadly, uh, not only with various stakeholders, but but also with patient and citizen groups out there because I think data and analytics is going to be uh, one of the key drivers of transformation in, in health and care more broadly. Now, very quickly, um, my, my take on the draft strategy is that there are a couple of key things we're hoping to achieve out of uh, this document uh, and its subsequent implementation plan. So, so one is definitely a no-brainer around putting patients at the heart of their health and care data. Uh, and in fact, giving them easy access to their own healthcare records. The second is giving health and care staff easy access to the right information 
to provide the best possible care through shared records and simplified information governance. The third is, and this is your point around ethics and privacy, it's about enabling proportionate sharing of data for the purpose of supporting the health and care system. And, and the fourth one, which I'm very, very glad has made into the strategy, is giving adult social care high quality, timely and transparent data so that they can make individualized choices to personalize uh, care. Uh, and, and, and I suppose a couple of others would probably be a, a huge emphasis on modernizing the data architecture and infrastructure uh, underpinning health and care systems to work. So I think we need to move to a stage uh, where we, we, we need to sunset some of the legacy systems and where the legacy systems are not quite right. We need to come up with a mechanism where they actually not hinder but enable uh, the care that we want. And, you know, they, they also prevent a lot of the, uh, we should also get to a state where we prevent a lot of the duplication in the system uh, that's created by some of these old fashioned processes and systems we have. Uh, and then I suppose the other one uh, that the strategy is very hot on is uh, supporting innovation, uh, which is so, so important, especially when we're thinking about uh, AI uh, and how we can actually leverage the power of AI to move beyond a cool thing to do as opposed to a business as usual bit. Um, and, and the last bit uh, I think the strategy really focuses on is very much around uh, improving the speed uh, of access to data, uh, just as we did during the pandemic. So there's been huge phenomenal learning we acquired from the pandemic and, and the data strategy aims to build on that. Now, I suppose on a, from a very personal perspective, uh, for, for me, the data strategy has been uh, pretty cool because it's enabled three things. The first is uh, reminded us to think big, to challenge silo-based approaches to work and to find fellow rebels to move beyond generating activity for the sake of it to actually doing something new and saying, guys, we've not really been doing stuff correctly. Let's start moving into the new world. Uh, the second is reimagining the role of the data analyst and the data scientist. So th these are not folk who should be regarded as individuals who work in a back office or who never see the light of day. But but I, I fundamentally believe that, that the role of the data analyst and data scientist should be actually leading transformation. Personally, I always struggle whenever we say uh, data and analytics support uh, the transformation piece. And one might say it's semantics or philosophical, but there's a very important point here, which is un unless we believe that we can start leading change, uh, we will always be uh, re resigned to playing a back office role. And, th and the third one is uh, actually recognizing that we, we are in the era of experiment and change. And as long as you find a community of peers with whom you can experiment, fail and learn, uh, that's absolutely fine, um, but because in that failure, there will be such immense learning that what you design together as a collective will, will really transform health and care uh, with, within the NHS. And, 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 and John, uh, Toby, I regard you very much as peers on this rebellious effort, but clearly the data strategy wouldn't mention the word rebellion, so uh, that, that's my personal take on it anyway. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And it, and it goes back, I mean, there's, there's a lot to sort of unpack there in a sense of, of kind of change. And, and what I'm hearing is kind of, I suppose, from where we are today and where we, we want to be in the future, it's kind of, I suppose, a new style of leadership in a sense. Because I hear when I speak to a lot of peers that about control, control, control. And I think 
to do the new things, you need to have trust. And as a leader, you know, you're not going to know all the knowledge. We're going to have to sort of tap into those experts in AI, machine learning and data and trust those. So the leadership perspective plays in a very different space, doesn't it, I suppose, going forward? Yeah, yeah. It's very much a distributed leadership model. Uh, and, and if we assume that we're still going to work in the old-fashioned pyramid approach, then we're doomed to failure. Couldn't agree more. No, thanks for sharing that with us. And Suki, I've seen some, uh, we talked about the end of it. You said, you know, innovation obviously has a, a really key important part of it. And I see there's a lot of great work uh, underway with, um, you know, developing of data analytics as a profession, and specifically what I, I refer to as kind of Analyst X. You know, what was it called, Analyst X? And, and what would you feel is the ambition for Analyst X? Uh, so a a Analyst X actually, John, started as uh, uh, an experiment when COVID uh, well, mid-March, when we were all told at Skipton House, you're now going to be working from home. And it started very much with the idea of solving a very simple problem. Could we get uh, our analysts to start sharing their uh, dashboards, share some of the code on how they build stuff? And rather than duplicating work, can, can you just develop a creative commons or knowledge pool of information? Uh, I think we, we we have all on this journey uh, been rather humbled, not certainly from my perspective, I never expected more than 50 people to join uh, what was then called the COVID-19 data and analytics workspace. So quite a mouthful uh, built, built on future NHS. Um, and I think a, a, as the months went by, more and more partners came on board, including the CSUs, the third sector, uh, pr private companies, um, and, and also other arm's length bodies. Uh, so I think it's probably the first time we've had quite a few of the arm's length bodies actually just galvanizing towards a particular cause and wanting to do stuff without uh, be, being shackled by uh, loads of governance, so to speak. Um, and I think we've grown to about 15,600 members or so. We've got about 30 plus strategic partners. And we probably got to about nine months, uh, again, no pun intended, uh, but where people felt COVID-19 data and analytics is a long mouthful. And, and I think, again, we've been very practical and pragmatic about this. We were looking for a new name. Um, so, so the reason we went with Analyst X, basically, is drawing from learnings from other industries. Uh, X has always had a, a fabled uh, image when you think about EYX, Google X, you think about Space X. The, the, the X was always meant to be a bit like our Northern Star we are actually going to do something different. That the, the current world is not fit for purpose. We want to start building a new world, which is the world that we're all going to exist in the future. So A, there was a very practical purpose. We shortened the name, uh, which helped us a lot. Uh, but B, it was also for people to be galvanized around something that was quite, uh, um, will I say inspirational? Yeah, well, I say inspirational. We can all feel that we're part of Analyst X, something different and something new. Fantastic. Setting that sort of star for the future. Or correct. Yeah, correct. And, and and John, the other part of your question was, so what's the ambition for Analyst X? Mm. I think the ambition has actually been, uh, well, we'll probably say about three or so. The, the first is, can we actually demonstrate that uh, groups of data professionals and analysts can get together at scale to start talking to each other, sharing some of their knowledge, their skills? Um, I think, yes, we've demonstrated that by sheer value of uh, numbers. Um, 
but where we want to get to now is not just a numbers game. We probably want to increase the quality of engagement. So for the users who only log on to the workspace once a month, we probably want to increase uh, the frequency with which they log in. We want people to move more from being consumers of the information to actually creators of it. And, and, and John, you're aware we have loads of programs with our strategic partners. Uh, we, we're trying to get uh, more of our partners to take leading roles in Analyst X, just as yourself, to actually shape the direction of this going forward. The second bit that we're trying to do is, as I describe it, uh, building out the metaverse. And what do I mean by that? Uh, we, we've possibly built a world or metaverse, as I describe it, which is about 50% uh, ready. Uh, I think we now need to get to the stage where we build further communities of practice within Analyst X or micro communities, as I refer to them. So these are topic specific areas, for example, around machine learning, around visualization, around data privacy, around governance. And, and, and we'd love people to start coalescing around these communities. The third is we want to move away from, uh, of course, we still want to carry on being the place where people engage and talk to each other, but we want to perhaps take that to the next stage, which is, can we start getting groups of these individuals to work together on a common analytical challenge? So the bit that we are now focusing on is the development of uh, an analytics accelerator. Um, and then we're going to run one pilot during this financial year, which will be super amazing if we're able to pull it off, because what would what we will end up doing, which has never been done before, is getting multi-organizational teams to focus on common analytical challenges using a common data and analytics infrastructure to solve problems in a accelerated type manner of about eight to ten weeks. So we're very, very excited about that bit. And then I know I said three, but there's a fourth here actually, which is as we begin to start playing in the new world, uh, I think there are certain things that our membership uh, also want. And by things, I mean they want to have a greater uh, ability to focus on learning and development. So the idea around creating a release to learn charter, uh, which is very much built around the idea of can we make sure that learning and development is done as part of business as usual, which translates to would you be willing up to free one day a week of your analyst time to work on the stuff that they need to work on, experiment with? Uh, and you could work it out in different ways. You could go a week every three months or something. But but the concept basically is releasing that time. Uh, and, and then within that, I think we're also looking at what I would term some special projects around developing the profession more broadly. So this is around building the skills and capability framework uh, to take analysts into the 21st century, incentivize learning through the use of passports and badges. So I think we are probably at the journey where some of the larger platforms were a bit like uh, Amazon and others, where they initially started doing one thing and they've sort of pivoted into lots of different lines uh, of, of products and services. And I think that's the ecosystem that we're going to try and develop going forward. Oh, thanks for sharing. It's amazing, isn't it? It's an amazing ecosystem that's been been developed. And I, I think even that release to learn piece you, you mentioned at the end, I was just speaking to someone today that was saying that how can we help 
you know, our, our staff that are working long hours and how do we sort of give them sort of thank yous for, for doing stuff. And they said, well, you know, we've got career development, we've got opportunities. And I said, well, you know, releasing people to learn is probably the biggest value we can give to people, give them the time to test and learn these new skills. So that, that's fantastic mm-hmm. to hear. So, yeah, definitely a call to action, everybody who's listening to get signed up and get more actively engaged with AnalystX, you know, because uh, it's, it's their community to sort of develop. And that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And Suki, you know, thinking sort of, we need to think sort of differently the way we work today and, and, you know, getting us where we want to be. We need to do things differently. And we know that what I've kind of classed as kind of data is the new oil, which is going to grow exponentially as we start looking at, you know, uh, internet things and people with more connected devices. But we also need that kind of to process that oil, as I call it, through analytics. What areas do you think we need to invest in as leaders Um to sort of make sure we we get we get data analysis where it wants to be. What do you think we need to do differently as a sort of a, a an NHS? Mm. So my my first one is going to be, I suppose, as a lot of people have probably said on your podcasts, um, we, we probably need to develop not only data science, uh, but but other specialisms around data engineering, data analysis more broadly. And I think when we're thinking about that capability building. Uh, it needs to be thought of in a very wholesome manner that doesn't just include uh, learning platforms, but actually includes uh, developing the people at this at at the level of the individual and as a team, but also providing the relevant processes and runway for people to start using some of the skills they've actually acquired. Um, and and I think if we do this correctly, as we've started doing as part of the data and analysis as a profession board. Uh, we'll actually create a sustainable path of change where we'll be able to create uh, the the, the new uh, workforce uh, as it needs to be for delivering analysis in the 21st century. Now, that's not to say that there are folk uh, who are out there uh, who are doing stuff that is not relevant. What, what, What we're basically saying is, as you move towards newer technologies, newer ways of working, actually, we want to capture some of the management experience you have, some of the other skills you have, but we all need to move collectively towards that Northern Star. So that's the first thing. I think the other thing we need to do is we we really need to stop uh, disparate groups duplicating work because there is enough work to go around. And I think sometimes it's not the fault of individuals. It's just there is no mechanism for people to know who's doing what in Oxford versus who's doing what in Dorset. Um, And if I look at the integrated care systems, I think one way we might be able to solve this and where we should invest is through the idea of creating centers of excellence. So imagine a world where it wouldn't really matter whether you were a national analyst, a regional analyst, or an ICS analyst. You basically claim to this center of excellence, which could be virtual and or physical. You were given all the tools you needed. You were working on a common analytical challenge, and you worked as part of a blended team to solve that. The advantage there would be for the national analysts, they'd get to understand better what the ICSs and providers need. And for analysts and the providers and the ICSs, they'd probably begin to appreciate a little more of our challenges when we try and influence policy uh, going forward. I think I have three more on the list. Uh, One of them is uh, my my pet hate, which is um, Excel has some functions, but it's not an enterprise tool. Uh, and where where we need to move to is more thinking about platforms and ecosystems, and and there are quite a few out there. Uh, we have ICSs that have their own platforms that they're using. I think that's a great thing that they're doing that. We at the center have tools that we've built on our national data platform and the COVID data store. Um, so I think we need to leverage that. 
Um, and then I think the other one for me is we really need to start thinking more about partnership working, John. Um, if anything, the pandemic has taught us the public sector doesn't have all the answers, the private sector doesn't have all the answers. And how do we move more towards a partnership way of working as opposed to a transactional one? Because there is going to be great merit in solving challenges together. Uh, you know, the sum is greater than uh, the individual parts, so to speak. So I think we need to enable that. And, and to enable that will be providing uh, a safe space uh, and providing the necessary mechanisms and infrastructure for both public and private sector to exist together, because it, that's not quite clear cut at the moment within data and analytics, how we do that. So, so, so those are my areas of investment, John, if I had a checkbook. Fantastic, isn't it? No, it's exciting, isn't it? But I think yeah, absolutely in, in partnership, we, we have to do it together. There's enough, there's enough space to play together, isn't there? And I think having that safe space absolutely as well. And I dare say, even when you're saying about, you know, the infrastructure and the platforms, is that something around kind of you could have a, a hub and spoke effect where, mm -hmm. you know, the centre feeds out intelligence of what it knows to the ICS, the systems, but equally know, we know that they have the knowledge and the, and the intelligence on the ground and they feed that back to the centre. So you have this kind of virtual kind of cycle of kind of knowledge going out but coming back in. Correct. And, and, and John, if the NHS could become a learning system, that yeah. would be fabulous because at the moment we don't learn we performance manage. So that needs to change. Fantastic. Uh, so inspiring. Yeah, lots, lots of lots to take away there. No, thank you, Suki, for sharing that as well. I mean, I've heard some fantastic sort of key takeaways there. And Suki, outside of all, all of this, this work that you're doing, which sounds immense as well, what do you, what, what do, you do um, outside of kind of making a, a positive impact in health outcomes? What do you do to relax? So, 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 John, I, I didn't grow up in this country, um, and I think one of the things I, I'm really fascinated by, which has become uh, uh, quite a hobby of mine, is, is the idea that you can almost walk anywhere down rambling fields, outstanding areas of national beauty. So I, I love every weekend going on rambles to all sorts of oh, places. Wow. Um, I, I love getting lost, sometimes literally. <laughs> uh, trying to work my way around, uh, but 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 that's become a very important part for me actually to switch off uh, and and you know just to think about life more broadly uh, outside work because I think otherwise you get so consumed in work it's difficult to switch off and switching off is very very important and I suppose the other one is more on a to do list of my relaxing activities I'm quite got there yet um, is probably going to be writing my next book so watch this space and uh, getting my head around becoming an Instagram influencer in a non-healthcare area. I haven't quite worked out oh. what that is at the moment. But yes, those, those are the things I'm mulling over at the moment. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. that. That recharge is so, so important, isn't it? It's fantastic. But no, thanks, for Suki, for joining us today. It's amazing insights you've shared with us. I've got so much to take away, that, that piece around the garden path about having no plan, but a sense of guiding principles that really help you on your journey and, 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 and working for great leaders and bosses that gives you that sort of space to sort of, you know, direct your, your creativity and, and, your, and your passion and such. But some of the takeaways I've got for me is kind of, you know, thinking big because we've got a big, big challenge in front of us, but we can do it. But finding your fellow rebels and together working through. Um, I love the piece about reimagining data science and analysts as, as their roles and 
those guys and we on the call need to be shaping and leading transformation rather than just being an appendix on the side. So it's a big call to action for people to step up, which is fantastic. And I think the other piece about, you know, experimenting and doing that together with partners. I mean, we have to do this together. Failing is a natural output. Yes, we'll get that, mm -hmm. but we'll learn huge amounts in the process of doing that. So no, really, really fantastic. And thanks for coming on board and sharing your uh, insights and wisdom with us. But um, how can people follow you on Twitter and dare I say your Instagram when it eventually appears? <laughs> so, so Twitter's fine. Uh, I'm at uh, at Sukhmeet Panasar. LinkedIn is great too. Um, and then I'm sure if if people catch me when we do start getting out to conferences and events, um, I would love to have a flat white with someone. Fantastic. There you go. Flat white and a Battenberg. <laughs> indeed, John. Very good. No, thank you so much, John. This has been really, really uh, good. Um, so I did, delighted to have participated today. Pleasure. Thank you. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the future.